Section 57 of England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in February 2020. The World's Story, Volume 10. England, Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 57. The Capture of William Wallace. 1305. By Jane Porter. According to tradition, Wallace was given up to the English by a fellow countryman called Sir John Monteith. As King Edward looked upon it, Wallace was a traitor, and he was first hanged, then beheaded. His head was put up on a pole on London Bridge. His body was quartered, and each of the four parts was sent to a town in Scotland that the Scots might fear to resist the might of England. The Editor A chieftain on horseback suddenly emerged from the trees which led to the castle and drew to their side. Edwin was wrapped in his plaid, and, cautiously concealing his face, that no chance of his recognition might betray his companion, he walked briskly on without any shade over the noble contour of a form which for majesty and grace was unequalled in Scotland, and could not be mistaken. He, too, moved swiftly forward. The horsemen spurred after him. Perceiving himself pursued and therefore known, and aware that he must be overtaken, he suddenly stopped. Edwin drew his sword and would have given it into the hand of his friend, but Wallace, putting it back, rapidly answered, Leave my defence to this unweaponed arm. I would not use steel against my countrymen, but none shall take me while I have a sinew to resist. The chieftain now checked his horse in front of Wallace, and respectfully raising his visor, discovered Sir John Monteith. At sight of him, Edwin dropped the point of his yet uplifted sword, and Wallace, stepping back, Monteith, said he, I am sorry for this encounter. If you would be safe from the destiny which pursues me, you must retire immediately and forget that we have met. Never, cried Monteith. I know the ingratitude of an envious country drives the bravest of her champions from our borders, but I also know what belongs to myself, to serve you at all hazards. And by conjuring you to become my guest in my castle on the Firth of Clyde, I would demonstrate my grateful sense of the dangers you once incurred for me, and I therefore thank fortune for this re-encounter. In vain Wallace expressed his determination not to bring peril on any of his countrymen by sojourning under any roof, till he was far away from Scotland. In vain he urged to Monteith the outlawry which would await him should the infuriated Apthanes discover that he had given shelter to the man whom they had chosen to suppose a traitor, and denounce as one. Footnote. Superior Thanes or Gentry. End of footnote. Monteith, after equally unsuccessful persuasion on his side, at last said that he knew a vessel was now lying at Newark, near his castle, in which Wallace might immediately embark, and he implored him, 
by past friendship to allow him to be his guide to its anchorage to enforce this supplication he threw himself off his horse and with the protestations of a fidelity that trampled on all dangers entreated even with sobs not to be refused the last comfort he should ever know in his now degraded country once i saw scotland's steady champion the brave douglas rifled from her shores do not then doom me to a second grief bitterer than the first do not you yourself drive me from the side of her last hero ah let me behold you companion of my school-days friend leader benefactor till the sea rests you forever from my eyes exhausted and affected wallace gave his hand to monteith the tear of gratitude stood in his eye he looked affectionately from monteith to edwin from edwin to monteith wallace shall yet live in the memory of the trustee of this land you my friend prove it i go richly forth for the hearts of good men are my companions as they journeyed along the devious windings of the clyde and saw at a distance the aspiring turrets of rutherglen edwin pointed out to them and said from that church a few months ago did you dictate a conqueror's terms to england and now that very england makes me a fugitive returned wallace oh not england interrupted edwin you bow not to her it is blind mad scotland who thus thrusts her benefactor from her ah then my edwin rejoined he read in me the history of thousands so various is the fate of a people's idol to-day he is worshipped as a god to-morrow cast into the fire monteith turned pale at this conversation and quickening his steps hurried in silence past the opening of the valley which presented the view of rutherglen night overtook the travellers near the little village of lamloch about two hours journey from glasgow here a storm coming on monteith advised his friends to take shelter and rest as you object to implicate others said he you may sleep secure in an old barn which at present has no ostensible owner i remarked it while passing this way from newark but i rather wish you would forget this too cheery regard for others and lodge with me in the neighbouring cottage wallace was insensible to the pelting of the elements his unsubdued spirit wanted rest for neither mind nor body but the broken voice and lingering step of the young edwin who had severely sprained his foot in the dark penetrated his heart and notwithstanding that the resolute boy suddenly rallying himself declared that he was neither weary nor in pain wallace seeing that he was both yielded a sad consent to be conducted from the storm but not said he to the house we will go into the barn and there on the dry earth my edwin we may gratefully repose monteith did not oppose him further and pushing open the door wallace and edwin entered their conductors soon after followed with a light from the cottage and pulling down some heaped straw strewed it on the ground for a bed here i shall sleep like a prince cried edwin throwing himself along the scattered truss but not 
returned monteith till i have disengaged you from your wet garments and preserved your arms and brigadine from the rust of this night edwin sunk in weariness said little in opposition and having suffered monteith to take away his sword and to unbrace his plated vest dropped at once on the straw in a profound sleep wallace that he might not disturb him by debate yielded to the request of monteith and having resigned his armour also waved him a good night monteith nodded the same and closed the door upon his victims from rutherglen to lumloch no place had presented itself in which monteith thought he could so judiciously plant an ambuscade to surprise the unsuspecting wallace and in this village he had stationed so large a force of ruthless savages brought for the occasion by halliburton from the irish island of rathlin that their employer had hardly a doubt of this night being the last of his two trusting friends existence these rathliners knew of neither wallace nor his exploits but the lower order of scots however they might fear to succour his distress loved his person and felt so bound to him by his actions that monteith durst not apply to any one of them to second his villainy the hour of midnight passed and yet he could not summon courage to lead his men to their nefarious attack twice they urged him before he arose from his affected sleep for sleep he could not guilt had murdered sleep and he lay awake restless and longing for the dawn and yet ere that dawn the deed must be accomplished a cock crew from a neighbouring farm that is the sign of morning and we have done nothing exclaimed a surly ruffian who leaned on his battle-axe in an opposite corner of the apartment no it is the signal of our enemy's captivity cried monteith follow me but gently if ye speak a word or a single target rattle before you all fall upon him we are lost it is a being of supernatural might and not a mere man whom you go to encounter he that first disables him shall have a double reward depend upon us returned the sturdiest ruffian and stealing cautiously out of the cottage the party advanced with noiseless steps toward the barn monteith paused at the door making a sign to his men to halt while he listened he put his ear to a crevice not a murmur was within he gently raised the latch and setting the door wide open with his finger to his lip beckoned his followers end of section fifty seven